0: Today's Hope FM Drive show is brought to you by Spring Harvest bringing the whole church together to worship, learn and share. For the latest news and events
1: visit springharvest.org. And I'm very pleased to welcome Bishop Rick Thorpe to the show here on Hope FM uh, and Rick has got a story to tell. It's an amazing story and one I think that brings hope in the middle of perhaps uh, at the end of the pandemic we hope it's the end uh, where Actually, it's been a sad season for churches, if I may say so, sir. Um, because many, many churches have closed because of the pandemic, and yet your heart is totally the opposite of that, as I understand. Can you just give us a little, a little one-minute snippet of your own history, your journey, and then tell us about the ministry that you're involved in?
0: Well, thank you, Gordon. It's really great to be with you today. I have always gone to church um, but actually when I was 19 my faith came alive suddenly everything fell into place and it made sense and I chose to follow Jesus and about um, about a year later I felt God saying to me at the back of a meeting I, I love sitting at the back of meetings I um, felt God saying you're going to be involved in church at some stage in the future and I thought that would be like at the end of a career in industry I was studying engineering at the time and uh, it Proved to be kind of slightly earlier than that. So after a few years in industry, I went into the church, and very quickly I had a passion for uh, something called church planting. I heard about this. I was involved in a meeting where someone was saying they were starting new churches in new places, and something about it captivated my heart. And I just thought, I want to do that. And in a strange way, I felt God saying at that at that stage. I must have been in my early 20s. You're going to be involved in planting lots of churches. And so um, wow. fast forward, and it's beginning to happen. So, so, so I know. You're, you're a bishop. Now, I am. Uh, normally, as I
1: understand it, a bishop has like a, a territory and yes. they're responsible for that area and all the churches within it.
0: Your remit sounds like it's bigger than just a specific place. Well, you're the bishop of where? So I'm the bishop of Islington. So that is a place in London and it's looked after actually by another bishop so this um particular you know islington is looked after another yes, bishop. Course, so yeah. this role was created not to look after churches that exist right now in a territory but actually churches that don't exist yet and so um my role is really to start new churches i focus primarily in london but actually, seventy percent of my time is all around the country helping new churches to start, um, of all kinds. And you know, it'd be great to talk a little bit more about that. But you know, from big ones to small ones, to medium-sized, to um, rural, to city centre. Um, all kinds of different things and we've we've done some bizarre church plants in barges in wow. um, in uh, you know just um in in the middle of the woods and so on so just a whole range of different ways that churches can start that's phenomenal and the last two years so they've been it's
1: been yeah. a really difficult time for churches with many churches closing so I suppose some people might say well if there are churches closing yeah then why on earth do we need to start any new ones because
0: some of the churches aren't even full so how how would you respond to that yeah well first of all it's been a really hard time for not just the church for everyone for businesses for um uh, civil servants for you know everyone involved and um and obviously so many people have become ill some some have died Mm. it's been a tragic time yeah and yet when humankind is under pressure extraordinary things happen and we're seeing that in the church that when the church is under pressure you know in, in 2 or 3 weeks we had to close all the churches and try and work out how we were going to meet and there was a lockdown early you know in March 2020, 2020 yes. time flies <laughs> um and yet it was almost like in that pressure cooker of being forced to stop meeting in person suddenly, the Church went online i as a bishop I've been trying to get churches online for a, a decade or two wow. <laughs> since and overnight ninety five percent of churches went online in some way or another, and so that is an extraordinary achievement in one sense. Now, some churches will close. do you know churches always close? That's an interesting statement. What do you mean by churches always close? Well, there are. I think there are moments where you know. So sometimes we look at um, a a village church that's been there for centuries, hmm. and um, on the whole, that's quite likely to stay there as uh, as a church community of some kind because it's it's supported by the community. And even when it goes into really hard times, um, uh, the um, you know people rally around, and, and a generation later, it, it, it begins to pick up again. But actually there are some churches where they don't have that infrastructure. And so as people maybe move to another city or another place, as children grow up and um, and people die, sometimes just demographics alone mean that a church is not sustainable anymore and people might naturally just move to another church or move away to another place. So there are things that happen like that. On the whole, most churches don't close. Yeah, And so... Um but you do see, you know, I find it always very sad when a church a beautiful old church has been sold for um someone's bought it and um yeah, put a, a house in it and or, they've or
1: Tesco Express or they've something put like all that. these oh.
0: kind of um all this money into it that the church never had before. But having said that, the church is not about buildings, it's about people. And um, you know, the the people of God is the church. And so if you follow the people, that's a very, very different story. And so um You know, as we look at the statistics at the moment, something like 7% of people go regularly to church in the country. It's been a lot worse in other centuries. But having said that, um, we mustn't ever just think, oh, it's going to be fine in the end, because actually we're called to be witnesses. We're called to look outwards rather than to look inwards. And so the opportunity is to see um, our families, um, our friends, our neighbours, our um, our. The people in our communities hear the good news about Jesus in some way because they will respond if they hear. Yeah, but they just need to hear. And so much of the time, I think we're fearful, maybe about talking about Jesus or about talking about our faith in some way, because often it's under so much. You know, people are quite cynical about those things in public, and yet we're beginning to see people's views change. People are interested. One of the things about the pandemic is whilst some churches did close, not many, but some churches closed um, forever, many churches closed and went online and started meeting in different ways. Um, But actually so many new people are coming to church because their spirituality has been awakened. and They've been asking questions.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's, and that's exciting, really, isn't it? Because it gave a whole new opportunity for people to connect with church who might not have felt brave enough to go through the door. But if people extend that invitation,
0: then they could begin to see what was the church like without actually having to take that risk. Absolutely. Um, so um, I've been a church leader for many years, um, and I've um, I remember in East London where I worked for eleven years, um, a place called Shadwell, and we door knocked every door in our parish. There were about four thousand um, people living in the in the parish, and. Um, I met people who were interested in church, but not interested in coming to our church. Okay. Yeah. And so that actually influenced the way we did church. So we were absolutely trying to build up our numbers in our church building. But we also thought, actually, if we do church in another, in another place, closer to them, more kind of earthed, if you like, yeah, um, yeah. In, in that sense, then they might be more likely to come. And that was the case. So we, we had a church and uh, we met in a pub. Um, wow. There was an upper room of a pub that we booked, and um, our worship leader actually just said, let's start an Alpha course, uh, which is an introduction to the Christian faith, aimed at people who aren't Christians. So they went; they had meal downstairs, drinks with people downstairs, and then invited them upstairs to this upper room, uh, and then did the Alpha course. And they, they attracted about 30 people, who then began to say, well, after Alpha, what next? And they said, well, let's keep meeting and so it effectively became a midweek church. Those people never came to us, um, to the main church site. So they were effectively a church in their own right. In a pub. In a pub. Um meeting together, learning about the Christian faith and you know, continuing to meet with God in that way. It feels quite non-threatening. If, if that's the
1: environment that many people are used to going to the pub because that's your social yeah. place, that's where yeah. you meet with your friends and have chats about all sorts of things. So to come and talk about the big issues of life in a pub seems to be very sensible. In fact, the, the best Alpha course I was ever involved in leading was also in a pub in an really? upper room and was we it? had yeah. 50 people come and it was Amazing. just an extraordinary moment. So we would certainly encourage people to be creative in the places that they think about reaching out and just being expressions of of god's love
0: in the community and that's really one of the outcomes of um the last two years is that people are being really creative about where to meet in church so um I, i talked about meeting in the woods you know there is something now called forest church and there are hundreds of forest churches where people have literally met outside um they've met um because they weren't allowed to meet inside so they've met in forest they've they've there's this kind of new kind of sense of actually getting to know the environment, getting to know um, kind of outdoor spaces and beautiful places, and people have naturally met and started to pray together and to worship together. And I mean, it reminds me of um, uh, a passage in the Bible when Paul is is um, on one of his mission journeys. he, he goes to Philippi and he goes outside the city to a place where people used to pray well that might have been like a forest church in yeah. Philippi
1: <laughs> I haven't even heard the term forest church until, until right now yeah. uh, and it's, it sounds like an exciting concept uh, and also I've heard of forest school where like people have their okay. kids get schooled in, in the outside and appreciate yeah. all, of, all of creation and the rest of it and I uh, I guess that's another opportunity that churches can go, oh, well, can we... Because often churches go, oh, we should plant a church. And they do think about that building opportunity. But that is a big step to actually go through all the process and all the costs involved in in buildings because they are expensive, even to hire. So Forest Church sounds cheaper to me. It's much cheaper. You need umbrellas when it's raining. <laughs>
0: okay, okay, okay. Yes, I, I can imagine. But,
1: <laughs> and you probably don't do all the same normal things with a band. I, then. you I, haven't I got drum kit for But actually,
0: just the acoustics of just singing outside just beautiful. Yeah. Um, so, but then you know, I, I think when you're starting new churches, we're often we I think too much of the time we have been in the past bound by a building, but just saying actually we need a church building so it looks like a church or you know it's very clear that's the place. I, I prefer to think about it another way around which is who are the people that you can see around you who you're not connecting with and so some of those people it's like okay we need to just make friends with them and and draw them into our churches by invitation but there are some where um, we need to recognize actually they're never going to come to us because just they can't relate to us and you know so the I'm in based in London the most obvious thing is people who whose first language is not English you can invite people to an English-speaking church because that's what most of the churches are. Yeah. Um, and many people from other nations will want to come to an English-speaking church just to practice their English or just because they want to be in this in, 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 in the country's natural language. But we're finding that when they socialize, they socialize in their own language with their own um, people groups. Yeah, and yeah. so we're saying, well, let's start a church in their language group Around where they live and where they can congregate, and that's a completely different mindset because you're saying, actually, I'm not. I don't want you to come to me. I'm going to go to you. And of course, that has echoes of what Jesus did. Jesus came into the world. He left heaven to come to us, the incarnation, and um, uh, to let go of all the kind of safety and all the the, um, the preciousness of of heaven to come uh, in quite squalid conditions. For us, you know, he came um was born in a stable, lived um in a, you know a, a, a downbeat town um and region, and then um he died for us. And so, in a similar way, I think when you say let's let's leave the comfort of our own churches and go to where people are, but they might not come to us. We can be incarnational. we can actually become part of that community in a new way, and that's that's really how every church was planted. If you think about the church, if if you go to church, you're you're in a church community that was planted by someone once. It could have been, in some cases, over a thousand years ago. Of course, yeah. Um, But it might have been tens of years ago or even months ago. But someone started that church. And so that impulse to reach a new group of people in a new place in perhaps a new way is what is at the heart of church planting, just saying, who are we not connecting with? Could we start something new there? And that might become a new church community of some kind over time. Wow. I should just say, for listeners at home, you might detect
1: just a little bit of background noise as myself and, and Bishop Rick Thorpe are talking because uh, we are actually at Spring Harvest, and in the background there is a band playing. Now we're meant to be in a slightly soundproof booth, but <laughs> we can hear it just a little bit. I think they're sound checking as well, it's, which is even louder. It, <laughs> it, is, it is loud indeed. But anyway, I hope it's not interrupting you at home. But I hope you're getting just some of the uh, the joy that that Rick carries for and passion for God's Church. Um, could I ask a question about numbers because yeah. uh, a lot of people go. Well, the church is not about numbers, and I sort of understand that, but also God knows the numbers on our head, He knows every person who's created, yes. and He cares about each individual. Yeah, and I, when you count up individuals, they do make numbers. Yeah, I, when you're thinking about church planting, I guess you're being strategic. Do you have a, like a desire
0: to see X number of church planted in X time frame? <laughs> That's a leading question. So, um, so I've got an engineering background, and so I, I I think numbers a lot of the time. I was also involved in marketing um, in a a large, fast um, uh, consumer company. And um, so I'm not afraid of numbers and data. And actually, data can be your friend. It shows you a reality on the ground. And so, for example, in the Church of England, there are 12,500 churches, um, parish churches. And so that helps you when you're thinking, if we're going to do something for every church— you need to think at scale, but actually, every church is one church, an individual church that's completely unique. It's different in each community. So, um, I understand why some people are scared of numbers because actually, you can't treat when it when it lands on your lap in your place, you're facing circumstances which are unique to you. So, um, when people start talking big numbers, it's like, well, I can't relate to that. So, we need to kind of keep that balance. Having said that, um, if 12,500 parishes, Took that view, that asked that question: Who are we not reaching? Mm. And could we start something new in maybe the next ten years? What might that look like? Well, that would look like twelve and a half thousand new things wow. in the next ten years. Big number. And so, let's say eighty percent of them do that. Well, that would be ten thousands. So 10,000 new. I call them new church communities or new worshipping communities because they could be very, very different from each other, of course, yeah um but if if there are that many, it raises it asks you know it helps you ask different questions. So, for example, if I was to do do one down the road, how might I to do that? Well, there are a whole range of things I could do, and I'd need to do all the preparation and stuff for that. If I'm doing ten thousand across a whole country, we might ask different questions like, well, where are we going to get the people to do that? How are we going to recruit people? How do we train them? How do we Deploy them. How do we release them so that they can do what God is calling them to do? Well, if you take a number like ten thousand, you probably say, "Well, we probably need to do it in a different way to the way we're doing it now." Right? Yeah. And so it doesn't mean that we're not doing it right now, but actually to increase the number significantly like that, um, we'd need to have different approaches that complement the existing structures, and so. Um, one of the things that we're really working on is actually how can you know I'm in the Church of England so we think about parishes, which is a, a specific area, um is how can we enhance what the parish is doing, what the parish priest is doing, so that we can um support them to be able to start new things under their oversight. And um it's not to do things to challenge their oversight, no, it's rather to say actually how can you enable things new things to happen so that actually you can reach more of the parish than you're able to do at the moment, and the, and the, one of the big questions is, well, I'm I'm at capacity. I, we've just been through COVID. How is it possible to even contemplate starting something new? Exactly the question I <laughs> could imagine many people at home thinking right yeah. this very right moment. Yes. Well, the, the the question that I would just say first of all, you don't need to do anything right now. Okay. So um, take you know, pressure off for a moment. Yeah. Well, and we've um, you know we, we need to focus on recovery on. You know, the theme of Spring Harvest this year is restoration, of renewal, of, of rebuilding. And so that's absolutely the focus for now. But if you, if you just think we want to do those things to be like it was before, then um, that's one way of looking at it. If you look forwards, rather than looking back, look forwards and say, what do we want this to be? Then you do have to ask the question, well, are there new things that we're going to contemplate doing And so as soon as you bring that into the mix, it helps you to think differently. And so for me, I I want to um, encourage people to say um, with open hands, Lord, we we don't have much at the moment, um, but what we have, we want to just lay before you. And we want to also recognize that you've given the church and our communities lots of things that we might not have seen before because we haven't been looking And so if we, you know, at the very least, if we start saying, what does everyone have to bring? How can we put those together and ask the question of God, God, what are you calling us to do in this next season? And then even give us an insight into maybe over the brow of the hill in the next few years, what might that look like? And I I sometimes ask people, you know, you can't think about doing anything right now. In 10 years, do you think you could start something new? Might there be one or two people who might say, yes, we'd love to start a new group in the pub or in, in um, an estate room or in their home or in a local cafe or um, in uh, in the forest. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and can you imagine that over the next 10 years? And um, they often say, well, yes, I can um, imagine that. And say, well, what might you do? Well, we'd start to pray, we'd start to gather some people, we'd start to... Um, uh, start imagining what might be possible, what is God calling us to do, and then start making the plans for that and then have a go. It might involve some research where we try to explore different groups of people, different things, and see what God is kind of focusing us on. And so, if you can think about that in 10 years, I ask the next question is then going, Well, do you think, when might you start that? And they say, Well, might start that in maybe a couple of years' time, something like that. Let's rebuild now and then in a couple of years' time. And then How long would it take? Well, maybe a year or two just to get that going. So then actually you're talking not a 10-year frame. You're talking actually a five-year frame. Mm. So you're already beginning to start helping people think in a different way. And I don't want to discourage people from not concentrating on the now because the now is important. We need to be refreshed. We need to be renewed. We need to um, encourage each other and spur one another on. But also God's given us a vision and a mission to the world and to um, who are also hurting and also tired and also exhausted. So, actually, what are the resources that we can call on right now from God to be able to give away to those around us? And in my experience, as we give away, God gives us more uh, for ourselves than to be able to give more away. And so, there is that cycle where, um, as you start, just as you start giving, God helps you with more to give. In the same way that if you look out for opportunities to serve and minister and share the gospel, God gives you more and more opportunities like that. And so that's, I think, how the church can begin to start rebuilding and renewing and restoring itself is by looking outwards um, um, in that cycle.
1: Well, I've got to say, you have a very encouraging heart. Just just sitting here <laughs> listening to you has already got my brain thinking about things. First, it's got thinking about Rest and restoring, which you, you mentioned, but also I'm going. Yeah, what's God's what's God's two year, three year plan? Because yeah. it would be very easy just to be so busy, just sort of regrouping that we don't think at all ahead. But actually, thinking about the now and ahead is is key to yes. so being able to actually hit something and actually achieve some things that God might have us. Because we could, I guess, miss out on things. Now, you've mentioned your Church of England bishop in the Church of England, but lots of our listeners won't be in the Church of England. Yes, but I guess this call and your heart for church planting is bigger than although your remit probably is Church of England. If people are listening and they want to somehow find out more about all sort of things you could do,
0: is there any training available or is there anything they can yeah. go to? What do, you, what do you have for people, yeah. including the Church of England? So, first of all, yes, I'm for uh, the kingdom of God, so the whole church. Um, Wonderful. I, I have a passion, really, to see the church thrive and the church capital C, not the Church of England. I'd love to see the Church of England thrive, but actually I want to see the whole church thrive. So, um, I love working with other denominations, um, with other churches to see, you know, to see what's possible, to see what God might have for us. And so, um, uh, in terms of what we are focusing on, I, I run something called the Gregory Center for Church Multiplication. That's a very long. It is name. a long name, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so we shorten it to CCX Center for Church Multiplication. Oh, that's good, and it's named after Gregory, who was a pope in the sixth century, who had a vision for England to be revitalized with the gospel um, after the Romans had brought the gospel, first of all, to our nation. And um, so he sent Augustine back in 597, and um, he was part of one of the church planting movements early on in the the early centuries of our uh, faith in this country. So we've kind of taken that name and said, how can we have a vision for the whole nation as well, not just the Church of England, but every church, and to say, how could we support the church to both rebuild and to grow and to thrive in itself but also to look beyond itself to say how could we start new churches and so we do training we do in resourcing we have lots of online resources so if you were to go to ccx.org.uk you'd be able to find a whole plethora of Um, stories of resources of encouragements of uh, some of the thinking that we're doing as well because we we don't want to just help an individual church to think about how they might start something new but also we want to help groups of churches or um, uh, regions of churches or even you know whole networks to say how could we be strategic about doing this across a wider area and we do that not just for churches as well. We do that for individuals. So we're asking the question of an individual, how can you be the best disciple that you can be? And one of the calls of being a disciple is, Jesus said it, go and make disciples. And so to make a disciple, you might think, oh gosh, I'm my, my discipleship's nowhere. It's as you try and help someone else in their faith that your faith grows. And so, um, And ask a simple question about if I'm helping someone else's faith to grow, If I say, who are you helping um, in your faith and in their faith, then you've got something which multiplies. And so you can be helping someone to help someone else to help someone else. And that way of thinking is the same way of planting churches. If you start a church, you could say, well, let's just start another church. That's one way of thinking. But if you say, let's start a church that might start other churches you're thinking differently so that's why we call it the Church Multiplication Centre So yeah um,
1: ccx.org.uk that's right okay so sometimes at moments like this there's going to be specific people listening and God will just be touching their heart yes and they're and they're going oh so exciting oh there might be something there might be something for me in this right now yeah Would you be happy just to pray for our listeners, for all of us to respond uh, to this, but also for people right now, for a specific maybe anointing for them to move, contact the CCX and just step into the things that God has for for this season.
0: I'd love to do that with worship music behind me, maybe being heard as well. I'd love to pray. So Father, thank you for this moment in history. Thank you that even coming out of a pandemic, um, slowly for some, faster for others, we find ourselves in the church in challenging times. But we know that you love the church. Jesus, you are the head of the church. And we want to invite you to send your Holy Spirit on each one listening today. And we ask, Lord, for a fresh imagination to be able to see what you have for the church. You don't want to see the church die. You want to see it thrive and grow and um, do all that you um, uh, want to enable every person to hear the gospel. How will they do that if people don't share it, if churches don't um, start in new places to enable that to happen? And so for for people listening today, I, I want to pray for encouragement, Lord, that you would fill them and refresh them. But if there are people who are just beginning to start thinking, gosh, what could I do? I pray, first of all, that you would speak to them, that you would put uh, things into their hearts and minds that uh, just begin to start helping them to think differently. But I pray as well that they would uh, just begin to start praying and seeing new things, starting in new places, reaching new people with the good news of Jesus. And pray that uh, as they talk to church leaders, they talk to their friends, Lord, that you would build the momentum behind that, that something new might actually happen in practice we pray this in jesus name for the sake of the kingdom of god and for the growth of the church amen
1: amen Thank you so much Bishop Rick Thorpe and I should just say uh, in fact if you're listening at home and you're maybe not a Christian but you're thinking oh, I wouldn't mind going along to church I wouldn't mind um, finding out more about it maybe if you've got friends who are a Christian ask them which church you should go to I'd like to I'd like to just maybe pop along on a Sunday and see or you could go on to YouTube and you could search up churches in your area or you could look at www.findachurch.co.uk because oh, there are many many churches that would love you to find out more about God's amazing love so, I've got to say, it's been extraordinary speaking to you. It's been an honour. Thank you for, for sparing oh, time to come on you this show today. So much. And,
0: it's been great being with you.
1: Well, I'm, I'm sure our listeners have been encouraged as well because I just think that in the press, if you read the press, the press often has got a negative narrative about the church in decline. And here I'm sitting to a man who,
0: who's saying, No, God's got a new thing. And it's. The it's press is all about getting a story that's bad news. They rarely tell good news stories, they're not interested in them, but actually, it's good news stories that build us up as human beings and so we should be telling different stories
1: before before i let you go yeah do, do you have a story of a church plant which has just been one of those moments where god's done something amazing
0: yeah so um i mean i've got hundreds in my head right now so i'll choose one which is um where i live in islington so um there was an a, a new pastor who's just um like a, a, a training pastor who was starting in a church called hope church hope fm hope church yeah. and um she asked her pastor can i start a new church i've heard about church planting i'd love to do that as part of my training and he said yes yeah, start praying start talking to people and um down the road um uh, actually it's up the holloway road from where they are if, if you know london um uh they there's this shopping center where um she, Sarah, was kind of walking around the shopping centre just thinking, all these people, none of them have any connection with the church down the road. It's just too far. They would never go there. No, no other kind of church is kind of right close to here. So I wonder if we could start something here, reaching the people in this who come to this shopping centre. It's lots of lots of local people. And she saw a Costa coffee shop. And she just thought, well, that's the obvious meeting place. So um, she went to the manager and said, would you ever allow us to use this f- to have um a church meeting and the manager said yes that's in our objects to be able to help people in the community and particularly churches to do this i did so, not know that i know that is amazing so, yeah so um uh so um she said okay we're um let's keep in touch and um on uh she went back to her kind of church community and said is anyone interested in helping gathered a team of six people and they then said okay we're going to start um meeting in cof- uh, costa coffee And they did it in the evenings from 6 o'clock till about 8 o'clock. It was after it was closed. And so they just had to do enough business to keep uh, one of their staff engaged. So they had tea together and sandwiches and coffee and stuff. Um, And uh, they started an alpha course. And then people stayed on after that. And now they have a church community of about 20 people meeting in that Costa coffee shop. She now has um, moved on to another place. But her team of six... Um, non-ordained, um, non-church leaders, but they're yeah. just leading this church In down the road. I had the privilege of baptizing some of those people, confirming them. It's kind of something we do in the Church of England. And um, uh, it was just such an honor to meet someone who had become a Christian, no church background at all, who had become a Christian in a Costa coffee shop and said, that's my church. Wow. the Coffee Shop, that's where I continue to meet and so that's just one example of literally hundreds and hundreds of new churches that have been starting over the last few months and years um, and many more will be planted.
1: Oh Bishop Rick, Rickthorpe, thanks so much for <laughs> encouraging some of that, it's great to hear, I love it when people do something outside the box and, and God just blesses it. Thanks for your time, God bless you, bye
0: bye. you, bye bye. Today's Hope FM Drive Show is brought to you by Spring Harvest, bringing the whole church together to worship, learn, and share. For the latest news and events, visit springharvest.org.